Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome to the Ask Brian radio show. You're listening to KHTS FM 98.1 AM 1220, com, And I am your host, Tracy DeForge, and my illustrious, infamous co-host, Peter, is doing his civic duty today, Jennifer. He's called in for jury duty. How about that? A lawyer doing jury duty. I didn't even know you could do that. I know. And, <laughs> and I'm genuinely kind of surprised that they called him in. But, you know, they saw greatness in him, I'm sure. <laughs> or maybe I should say this. Maybe I should say Peter said he had to call in. But he never <laughs> actually told me whether or not he had to go in. So we'll just assume that he's not here because of that. But he could be just, you know, being in that pub he's always talking about, just letting us do all the heavy lifting today. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Or he just invited himself into the jury duty pool there. <laughs> right, exactly. Just, just for fun. Because that would be fun for him, right? Okay, well, we have a great show on tap today. And before we get to introduce our fantastic guest, which is an expert, one of our favorite E's for the Ask Brian show, we just want to, you know, you and I, we've got this down pat, right? So people want to know why is Ask Brian spelled with an E? And we like to say, well, because that is first and foremost because of our fabulous engineer, Jen, right? Oh, yeah. You thank get all you. the credit for that. But also, <laughs> yay! but also because of the educational component of the Ask Brian Show, we are here to serve entrepreneurs who are growing businesses, have ideas to start businesses. Maybe you've been doing it for a while and you want to scale your business. And so if this applies to you, you are in the right place. And we do that through our experts. And we always like to talk about that mathematical formula about, okay, so what defines an expert? And they say, and, I'm, and today it's Trace says <laughs> that an expert is defined by a minimum of investing 10,000 hours in your industry or your niche. And that usually equates to about 40 hours a week. 50, 52 weeks a year over the course of five years. But, you know, we've said many, many times on this show, yeah, right. No entrepreneur starting or scaling a business is putting in 40. They're probably putting in more like twice that. So we're thinking a much shorter curve than the five-year mark. And I know for a fact that our guest today, which we're just going to jump right in and introduce, has way more than 10,000 hours in his industry niche. So I would love to bring on and introduce to you without further ado, which is Peter's favorite word because it's all confidence and no vows or something like that or whatever. He's not here, so he can't defend himself. <laughs> so Mark, come on in the studio and I'm going to do a formal introduction of you. But today's guest is Mark Ritter. Welcome, Mark. Tracy, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so excited for you to be here. So. This I know for sure about you because we've had the opportunity to be business colleagues for the last couple of years. And I've actually, as an entrepreneur, reached out to you 
for advice and guidance, which is one of the reasons why I was very excited to have you on the show. You are the CEO of MBFS, but most importantly, an expert in credit unions and business lending. And your first federal credit unions business lending program, I love on your bio, it says one person and a desk. So we definitely want to hear more about your, on your journey around working in the finance space. And just really super excited you're here because I know with all the things that are happening in this tricky economy that we're in right now, small businesses and small business lending is a hot topic. But before we get into that, tell us what got you to this space. This tell us about starting First Federal Credit Union, but even more so, like, what got you into the small business lending industry? Sure. Yeah, as I speak to you, I love kind of small town, small town America. And that kind of got me into the small business space. I really, you know, I enjoy uh, working on the big loans sometimes, but really working with entrepreneurs, small business owners, making dreams. I always say I don't lend money as much as make dreams come true and help you fill your dreams out. And that's the piece that I enjoy really. And it was almost 25 years ago now, when I was looking for that next opportunity in life, is when I came across credit union. And at the time, everybody has an impression of a credit union. And most of the time, it's pretty good. People like their credit union. It's where they you know, got their auto loan or have their checking account or something like that. But when they wanted to commercial loan, a small business loan, they went to the local bank. And for good reason, credit unions didn't do those loans. But about 25 years ago, it started to become a thing. And I was, you know, the proverbial right place, right time, and was given an opportunity. A large credit union hired me and really just kind of, I'll say, threw me to the wolves. And we had to make up this entire industry. And I did that for about 10 years of really just focusing on small business lending before I I got the opportunity to lead MBFS and and went on this journey. And that, you know, one of the things that really resonated with me when you were sharing the beginning of your story was that you have a heartfelt connection to small towns and small business. And I feel the exact same way. I mean, one of the things that I have loved the most about my personal entrepreneurial journey has been able to help other entrepreneurs as they start and launch and grow businesses and help them with business development strategy and and just all of the things that can really boost an entrepreneur's not only their confidence, but they're also their strategic initiatives and scale their businesses. But none of that's really possible without the right funding at the right time. So one of the questions that I would like to ask of you today is, when does an entrepreneur, you know, is there a time in which in when they're starting out or maybe one or two years into their business, when they should start thinking about things like lines of credit and building bridge loans for cash flow management and things like that, because I think it's kind of a scary thing sometimes when you're a new business owner, if you're self-funding everything. Yeah. And what I always tell people is, you know, when you're getting ready to start out and kind of work on that journey, you know, don't call me. 
<laughs> Which is what I did when I was like, the first person I thought of when I was wanting to scale to the next level, I'm calling Mark. <laughs> and, and as crazy as this sounds, I'm a very debt averse person. And when you borrow money for your, you know, when I borrow money for a car loan, or if I carry interest on a credit card, that just costs me money. I'm not making anything by getting a car loan. I, I'm just paying interest. But really, when you have that business loan, you should be looking to keep your debt level as low as you can, particularly when you start out. And, and the reason that is, is because you want the flexibility. You know, I always say my job's pretty easy, is we give you a loan, and if you don't pay it back, we come take your stuff. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes, you know, that's why when you're starting that business, the more sweat equity you have into it and the more dedication you have to it without taking on that first loan, you have a much higher chance of being successful. Because when you have that debt payment over your head, it really becomes a burden. Where, you know, when you don't have a debt level, you have the flexibility to grow and pivot and manage your business as opposed to saying, geez, I got to make a payment this month. And, you know, during the pandemic, we had a record number of small businesses formed. And what we're seeing is really those businesses, now that they got a couple years under their belt and they're growing, that's when you come see me. Mm -hmm. Now, there are times you come see me when you're starting out just because, you know, for, if you have large capital expenditures, you, a lot of times you got to finance those. But, you know, the, a lot of small business America that started, you know, once you get that footing and you're, you're out of that honeymoon phase, you're, you're really in that growth mode, you know, that's when, you know, I really come to shine. Because if you start getting in debt too early, you tend to get into a lot of high interest debt, which I think can just be a death spiral. Yes, absolutely. And to your point, I think that one of the things that happens with entrepreneurs that they may not even be aware of is they get excited and then they maybe get access to this capital, right? And we're talking about a separate situation. This is not like having an investor, an angel investor, or a VC or something like that, because that's a whole different trajectory. But if you're a small business and you're getting some traction and you're wanting to expand, let's say, by adding another program or another line of services or, you know, investment in some software or something like that, and you have access to this capital, I think that what you highlighted, which I want to reiterate, is I think it's so important, is that there's a lot of mental space that gets taken up when you're managing a debt load because you have to make that payment or someone will come and take your stuff. And so... If you have an operating budget that includes profit initially, then you're really giving yourself more mental space for creativity and innovation and expansion because you really underestimate how much mental taxing and mental energy is spent navigating running those numbers of how you're going to service that debt, right? So I think that's something people don't talk about enough. Yeah. You know, in those early years where it can be boom or bust, you know, from a lending side, what we see so often is, you know, when you're in that first year or two of the business, sometimes you can make more money by going and working at the local convenience store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
been there, done that. Not actually worked at the convenience store, but been there, done that in startups where I've felt like maybe I should just be working at the makeup counter at the mall. (laughs) Yeah. And mentally, sometimes people aren't prepared for that or financially where you have to, you know, realize sometimes you're working for free because of your personal financial situation or you might not have that rope to get you to the end where it's really a cash flow positive. So you want to make sure you're in a good position financially to really take on this business and grow and you can get yourself to that growth phase of the business. So what are the success rates of businesses in comparison? I think it's, you know, again, we don't want to have doomsday. There's a lot of positive things about scaling your business and about, you know, being able to secure the right kind of financial loans at the right time. But do you contribute underfunding as one of the major reasons for businesses not making it past the first couple of years? And what, what are the success versus failure rates around that? Oh, absolutely. It is much more dangerous for me to give people too little money than too much money. You know, that's almost one of the worst things me as a credit unions and our organizations can do is give people too much money because it really puts you in a spiral where you start maybe not paying vendors, not paying bills, and you're constantly paying catch, playing catch up. And when you hear about small business failure rate. You know, there's all sorts of crazy stats out there about, you know, this met, this percentage of huge percentages fail with it. But really, it's that first six months where people decide, you know, this isn't for me. And most of the time, it's not so much, you know, nobody gets into a business. You know, usually they have some passion. They have an interest. They really enjoy it but they don't realize all the complexities of running a small business. They don't realize the hours. You know, maybe they have children or another job that they're working on. And it's those non-financial decisions that really get in the way of success. You know, maybe maybe you have another job and you just can't get it done. But most people really know what they're doing when they start up a business. But it's that execution of growth and managing the customer service. Sometimes there's, I'll pick on contractors a little bit. You know, almost every contractor that we work with, they know how to build something. And if you just let them sit and build, they're pretty good. What they're not doing, many times they're not good at, is running the behind the scenes piece of customer relations and getting supplies and working with employees and managing your cash flow. And that's really the piece that is the stifling piece to a lot of small businesses. Well, and so what I'm hearing you say is that you might be an expert in a certain area that then is the catalyst or the motivation for you to start a business. But what you also really need to take into consideration as an entrepreneur, not only just having the access to being able to generate revenues and maybe some other ways to be able to manage financially, but also to manage all of the logistics of running a business. And I I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think a lot of times, you know, an entrepreneur gets a creative, a visionary idea 
and they just run with it, but don't take into consideration that there are a lot of other things other than just the fun part of the business. How many times have you seen a beautiful bakery pop up and that makes the most gorgeous cakes and desserts? And then a year later, you say, whatever happened to that place? They're really good at making cakes, you know, but there's a lot more to running a small business retail location. I mean, I can't resist the pun. So they're really good at making cakes, but they don't really know how to make the dough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why I love the experts that come on the Ask Brian show, because people like you can really help shortcut that learning curve. And when you're looking at getting into a business, I think it's important to be able to really identify the areas that you're strength, you have strengths in and the areas that you have weaknesses in and really be able to tap into resources and experts and mentors like yourself to really help offset some of those areas where, where you may not be strong. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned before when you were talking through this process of the entrepreneurial journey is people who might have an idea for a business and they start it as a side business. So what I wanted to ask you is what are your thoughts on people in terms of personally financing businesses, in terms of starting things as a side hustle and proofing out concept and things like that before they jump full in into full-time business ownership? I think there is nothing better than to start your business as a side hustle, if at all possible to get you some time of proof of concept, making some early mistakes. And if you're going to make a mistake, make it early and move on and get a chance to build, get some customer base before you grow. There's so many business success stories that started on that route. And maybe you have a full-time job and it's a much easier transition than deciding to quit your job on Friday and start on Monday when there's zero income coming in. Right. I mean, I know like for me, when I started my first business, which was, you know, over, well, actually celebrating 20 years ago, when I, I worked full time and managed a cluster of radio stations and I had tech support, I had janitorial service, I had admins, I had executive assistants, I, you know, I just had a team of people And I know for me, when I stepped out and started my own company, it was like all of a sudden I was the tech support and I was the janitor and I was the IT person and I was the salesperson. Yeah, absolutely. And my journey here at MBFS, so I worked at a medium-sized financial institution and we had all the support you need, every department, every facility, things like that. And I was asked to be the CEO of MBFS. And at the time, I became the fifth CEO in five years. And the company had three people. And to say it was a disaster was an understatement. I was good at what I did. So I figured I would come in, list up everything that I was doing, and just drop it down and build a nice little company. I couldn't have been more wrong. I spent so much time in issues that had nothing to do with lending. You know, it turns out our clients didn't like us very much. I spent days and weeks trying to figure out and fix the mail 
because we weren't getting our mail in time to process statements and bills and payments and everything else like that. And that was a, it was a monumental step when I just fixed the mail. And I spent so much time on IT work, on HR work, on changing just little things that had nothing to do with the operations, but it made all the difference with our clients and with our employees on having a successful company. And that was my aha moment into, wow, it's, you have to have so many hats. And if you don't know how that hat works, you just go find out and talk or call everybody you know and try to get the help that you need. And it was, you know, today we're a company of close to 60 people. We work with 100 credit unions nationwide. You know, we finance hundreds of millions in small business loans a year. But if you don't have the basics and the kindergarten level concepts of do everything right, treat people nice, make yourself happy, make your clients happy, and focus on those kindergarten level concepts, everything else just falls apart. And you're so right about that. And I think one of the misperceptions about entrepreneurship sometimes back to what got us into this part of the conversation is that you're really good at something. You're a really good baker, like to your point about the cupcakes and the things like that. And so you're like, I want to start a business that of doing something I'm passionate about. I want to make a difference. I'm really good at this. But just not realizing that a lot of what happens is you start with doing something that you love. And then as your business grows and scales, you don't actually get to do the things you love anymore because you are having to do things like manage the payroll taxes and the finances and the shipping and the e-commerce this and the IT that. And you have to really have a keen awareness that sometimes it's, it's, not as glamorous as it sounds to be able to think that you're going to do what you do and do what you love all the time and nothing else. Yeah, really, you know, run your small business because you enjoy it, you're making a difference, and you can grow your business and it's going to help you personally, but also financially. And if it doesn't do both of those and fulfills your personal needs and your financial needs, it's okay to sometimes just be an employee. Right. And say, you know what? And be okay to, to be like, I tried it and it didn't work or I tried it. And I think this is the greatest thing ever, but be okay with either alter either path. Once you get into it and maybe it's something that you didn't expect, or maybe it's better than what you expected. But I think having that awareness that it could go either way is so important. And then the other thing that we haven't really talked a lot about is that sometimes what you think you're starting your business as going down one pathway, but then you end up pivoting because the business evolves and goes in a completely different direction. Have you seen a lot of that happen as you've worked with a lot of small business owners? Oh, absolutely. There are so many niche small businesses that we deal with where I have to ask themselves, I have to ask the owner, how did you get into this? I always enjoy that conversation. And invariably, it's I started in one path. I saw a need. I could fulfill it. I enjoyed it. And I kind of grew off of you know this little line of business that I saw. And look where we're at today. And sometimes people sort of trip into the right business. And it's sometimes related, 
but it's not directly, but it's somewhat related and they can kind of build off of their skills. And, and being able to recognize those also another, I think, key to success for building a business is recognizing those niches and being able to monetize those niches. Because I think a lot of times people think of the big vision and they forget that you can make really good money in small niches. I once financed a company that manufactured flock, which is the felt that goes on the outside of ribbons. And oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and people sort of work into these businesses. You know, I just drove past this weekend, one of my first business loans, where it was a machine shop, but the only thing he did was high-end government military pieces of machinery. He didn't start out that way. He developed an expertise, met some people, and discovered a booming business off of it. So sometimes you really have to look and, and, and uncover a lot of rocks to fine-tune your business. If you sell the same thing as everybody else, eventually everybody else will sell the same thing as you. Yeah, I just think it's always so fascinating to know, like, again, people making tons of money off the felt of of what goes on to ribbons. Like, that is just incredibly fascinating to me. I bet you have so many more stories like that, and we're going to hear some more of them. But, Mark, I'd like to ask you, what are some of the mis- biggest mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making when they're trying to secure financing? Because I know that that would be in- just incredible information for our listeners to know about. Oh, great question. And without a doubt, the one piece that people, the two pieces that go into, they think everybody that lends money is the same person. And it's the same criteria, and they're all doing the same thing. And, you know, there are so many banks out there. There There's so many credit unions out there. You know, if you go online, there's so many different alternatives. But not every, if you walk into a bank, you have to make sure they sell what you're shopping for. And there are banks and credit unions, as obviously I want everybody to go to their local credit union, that do not work with small businesses. They work with doctors, attorneys, and huge real estate investors. There are credit unions and and banks that work with small businesses and lines of credit union and SBA loans. There's some banks that that's really all they do is SBA loans. So I love SBA loans. But that might not be what you need, but that's what they're selling. And people get frustrated because somebody tells them no, and their first move is to go to some of these high-priced online lenders for a quick, fast money loan, and it is a death spiral for your business. It's like the payday lending for, for small businesses, and there's lots of them. So when you're shopping for a loan... Ask other businesses like you. Ask your accountants. Ask for your attorneys. Ask your friends. And sometimes when you walk into a bank, they need you as much as you need them. Ask them, are they in this marketplace today? There's a lot of banks out there that have liquidity problems and that nobody tells you they're not lending, but you really have to ask those questions. 
are you going to give me the money? Or what is your credit policy today? What are the terms you're offering? Because they might be just be selling something to make it so expensive that hope you go away. So you really want to make sure that the culture of who you're talking to aligns with who you want to be and where you want to go. And don't get frustrated and just walk away from the financing you need or go to some quick, fast money, high interest rate lender. So speaking of quick, easy, high interest rate lenders, can you walk us through what is the difference between like, for example, a company like Blue Bond versus a credit union? Sure. Absolutely. The short answer is night and day. My company is owned by credit unions and we work with over 100 credit unions nationwide. So a credit union is a financial co-op for its members, by its members. And today, a huge portion of the credit unions are out there financing small businesses and small real estate investors. The online lenders like Bluevine, OnDeck, and some of these other people, they're looking to make a large number of loans as fast as they can, knowing that a huge percentage of these people, when you don't know your customers and you're approving everybody that just walks into the door, the only way you can make that model work is to charge outrageously high interest rates. And it's not generally working with a bank behind the scenes. It's working with, you know, investment money that is going to pay where you're going to pay 36% and they know 20% of the loans are going to charge off. So you fall into, you got to pay these people back and it really impacts your cash flows as opposed to that credit union philosophy that's a co-op working for you that's more relationship-based and not just transactional-based. I also want to bring back and highlight a point that you made because, again, I don't think that people talk about this enough because when you're an entrepreneur and you're in that frenzy, if you will, of I need to get funding or I need a bridge loan or I want to grow and I want to bring on a new employee, maybe, for example, that I really want to feel secure before I do that, you're feeling like, I got to get, I got to get, I need to have, I need to have. But I love what you said about when you walk into that bank, you go into that bank with confidence and asking the right questions because they need you as much as you need them. And I don't think that's an entrepreneurial mindset that most people really understand because people have such emotional reactions around money and they may even be waiting to a place where they're feeling desperate and I'm pretty sure anybody can sense that desperation. So I love that you highlighted the aspect of feeling confident about what it is that you're doing, but also asking the right questions because you might get a no that has nothing to do with you, but shuts you down. So it keeps you from going and asking again to the right source. Most of the time when somebody can't pay me back or one of our credit unions back, what happens is they very rarely have financial difficulties. It's usually emotional difficulties on how decisions that they make. And it's because they're worried about their job and not the talking to the banker. So they make a rushed, rash decision, which then snowballs into a bad financial decision. But it really started with an emotional, emotional relationship with money. Yes. 
And one of the things that is so important for me to ask you, Mark, is how can people continue this conversation with you? Because I feel like this show goes by so fast and we cover so much amazing information, but I know there's so much more that people would probably want to tap into. So what are some of the best ways they can connect with you? Sure. We love to talk with entrepreneurs, small business owners on helping guide you through this process. So you can go to mbff.org, mbff.org. Or you can hit up my personal website, Mark Ritter, M-A-R-K-R-I-T-T-E-R.com, and we will connect you with the local credit union. Oh, that sounds amazing. Now, I just happen to know, because we are connected through my company, Producer Podcast, so I just happen to know that you also have a fantastic podcast. Would you like to share a little bit about that so that people can listen to you on your show? Absolutely. On every major audio platform, if you search up credit union conversations, you will find me talking about the latest financial industry gossip and talk. And it'd be great to get the inside scoop on who we are and how this world works on credit union conversations. Hopefully people can listen in and pick up some tips on there too. So you're basically what you're saying is you're spilling the tea on finance on credit union conversations. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Absolutely. If you ever want to know what goes on behind the scenes and what people in finance and financial services talk about, that's the show to listen to. Right. And we didn't get to see enough of it, but I happen to know that Mark has almost a stand-up worthy comedic sense of humor. So you might get a little glimpse of that too. (laughs) Well, (laughs) before we wrap up the show today, I, I feel like we have really encouraged people to investigate, learn more, find out what kind of relationship they can build with a credit union. What is your best advice for a small business owner who wants to connect with a credit union locally? Sure, absolutely. First of all, if you haven't talked to a credit union for your small business, it is not your parents' credit union that you may have the impression of. Credit unions last year financed over $50 billion to American small business owners. And the odds are, what people don't realize, if you're driving past a credit union right now, you know there's probably a 95% chance that you can go in and do business with that credit union. If you don't know of a credit union that you can work with, one of the things that we love to do is connect with small business owners all across the United States, and we find out somebody who's lending to small businesses and working with small businesses in your marketplace. Because there's three times as many credit unions as banks in this country. So there's a lot of us, and sometimes it might be difficult to weave through that. And we really like to help people get access to credit union services. Well, and what I love, love, love about what you said and it's just, you don't hear of this anymore with the big banks, is that you can, if you're driving by and you see a credit union, you can pull into the parking lot and go in and actually talk to a human being. And that in itself is a big positive, in my opinion. I think if I went back to work at a bank, they'd probably fire me within a week, just because I like relationships and talking with people. Well, and isn't that the saddest reason to be fired for something, right? But I am with you 100%. It's like the building relationships, having a conversation with somebody and really feeling like someone's on your side and being 
your cheerleader because all of the things, all the challenge we talked about today, it's difficult to be an entrepreneur. It's so rewarding, but it's so hard. And to think that you could have your financial partner also be your cheerleader, what a wonderful gift that is. Absolutely. Well, Mark, you've been fantastic and really one of our most favorite experts on the Ask Brian show so far this year. And we, w- we really want to have you back because I know a conversation around small business lending never gets old. And I'd like for you to spill the tea on some of that gossip and trends on financing. So I think we're going to have you back. The market is always changing. So more than happy to, to connect with the listeners. Well, we will see you in 2024. And until then, I hope you have a really happy holiday season. And we are wrapping up. And you have been listening to the Ask Brian radio show. And we appreciate you. Thank you for a great year. And again, KHTS FM 98.1 AM 1220, com. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.